0: Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can now uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do und- Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20x20 20 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling-themed, all sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher and fresh, but you already know. You suckers is me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though we see your kicks and we laugh and yellin' what it goes. you see me shinin' like a suit on puppy you know my grind and shit is too strong buddy that's why the dude call money I be stuntin' like it's nothin' at all cause it's nothin' to me it's probably somethin' to y'all tryin' to smoke like me to come and fuck with your dog got a closet full of kicks you can't and a brush it in the freshest. You can tell us in my bitch, you feed the way I'm ripping. Yes, I don't understand. I tell them running out of breath until somebody cut a tepid, the way you know it's fresh, the way you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh, 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 goddamn it, we fresh, fresh, fresh. Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Fraser. Thank you for the warm feedback on last week's episode with Dobry. I uh, got a lot of love, a lot of listens. I was, you know, I was a little overwhelmed, man. Got some good opportunities that's come about thus far. I was a little I was a little scared when it came back, you know, who'd still want to work with me now that I'm not doing the Huffets and Post thing. And, you know, I felt like, you know, like I said in the last episode. That was a bit of a bit of a crutch I was uh hanging on to. But I realized that I did form some really cool relationships with people, you know, not over the past couple of years, but just over the past like almost eighteen, nineteen, twenty years, you know, doing all this music stuff. And I'm glad that also that I've been able to branch out beyond music. You know, I'm um I went to the the Toledo uh Fantasticon uh recently and talked to um I ran into a couple of the uh of the comic book authors that I've uh, already um, interviewed for the podcast, uh, Casey Pierce, uh, Stephanie Menard, and also I ran into a few other ones uh, that I would, you know, I hope to have on the podcast in the future. And I already talked with them. They're like, yeah, you know, hit me up. So things are going good. I enjoy it. And we have a lot of cool things in the works. So uh, thank you. And hopefully we can keep the momentum building and build something really cool, you know, that has to do with music and wrestling and comic books and just, you know, cool pop culture stuff that I'm really into. So let's uh, get into this uh, this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, My guest is uh, currently Toronto-based, soul music, electronic music, producer, hip-hop type stuff. She goes by the name of Pursuit Grooves. She's an old friend of mine from back in the Renaissance Soul Detroit days. Uh, for those that don't know, Renaissance Soul was like my old website way back in the day. Started in 2001. is basically centered around the music of JD, J Dilla. And it kind of branched out to other Detroit stuff like that. But it was a nice little, it was a great little niche sort of website. I didn't get a ton of traffic, but, but... The people that I did get was it was a small like community of people, and with uh, with the community of other people who ran websites from Michigan, we sort of like broke this mold. We we made sure that the other websites, the mainstream websites, the bigger hip hop websites, paid attention to Detroit hip hop, Michigan hip hop, stuff like that. So you know, she uh, she's someone that I met from you know back in those days. Uh, and uh, we you know every once in a while we run into each other so uh you know recent recently she put out a new album called felt armor super cool it's it's like very it's very experimental very you know electronic music very vibed out chilled out you know it can be a little grimy at times but you know super. it's super super good like really vibe out music so you definitely want to check that out uh you um in our interview we dive back into our beginnings as a music artist her childhood and you know how she's progressed as a music artist and her other creative avenues outside of uh music along with her new um her new album felt armor uh this you know this week also we um this is the first interview where i'm doing something new uh with all the interviews um uh, from now on on all my interviews i'm going to um, end with the same question and I give, the, uh, I give the person I'm interviewing this question ahead of time so they can think about it basically I'm asking for a recommendation about somebody from their life or career who I could realistically interview and they would have good stories to tell she has a really great answer for that it's a not a, not only a cool answer but the story along it is really kind of touching so uh, hopefully I'll be able to get that person on the, uh, the podcast eventually so be on the lookout for that. And then after the interview, we'll go into the this week's Fresh Pick of the Week, which is a really great one. Before we get into the interview, just want to remind you how you can uh, follow the podcast and follow me and get in touch with me. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh, and I'm at Facebook.com slash KFresh. The show's Instagram is at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and the show's Twitter is FITW Podcast. And you can also reach on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh the Podcast. And then you can always go to Fresh the Podcast.com and please share any of the links that you see on the website, on your social medias. And if you can go on iTunes, go ahead, give us a, a good rating. That would help out the show a lot. Um pretty much available on all the other platforms also uh, there's a listing on the website and and on each of the show notes for each episode of uh, where you can listen to fresh as the word all right enough of that let's get on to the interview with pursuit Grooves. like we've known each other for a while now i'm like trying to think about like when we first sort of like connected it was probably online around the time when i was still doing the renaissance soul websites uh huh. Uh huh. And, and I was thinking, I'm like looking. I was looking at like um, some of the music that you've uh, released in the past. And um, your your first album was in 2006, correct?
1: It was. Cool. It's crazy. Sounds crazy.
0: Was before then? Was like like I'm trying to jog my memory. But before yeah. that album came out, was like people like Benji B playing your like your songs years before then?
1: No, no. I mean, if years before then, that makes me sound really old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like 2006 already sounds like a really freaking long time ago. Right. Um No, like everything was happening of like at that exact moment. Oh, okay. So All it right. was really like um So if you want to say that album was 2006 um Beat Dimensions was 2007, um, and then I did Red Bull in 2008. So Okay,
0: uh, yeah, I remember that now. So
1: kind of um, between 2006 and 2008 was when everything was pretty much uh, happening. Um, Yeah, kind of all at once. So that's kind of pretty much when it popped off, and that pretty much all stemmed from MySpace, you know. I probably got on MySpace, in 2004, 2005, something like that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, just literally started connecting with uh, producers and labels and stuff like that via via MySpace. You know, back then everybody was on there, so it wasn't that difficult to to get to people right. or to send stuff to people, and you know, hopefully get some sort of response back. So. Yeah, every, every, everything was pretty much around then, around around 2006.
0: Yeah, MySpace was such a good time because there was all these little built-in functions for music artists, and it really helped a lot of just up-and-coming bands and music artists really start to thrive, not only in their own area, but elsewhere around the
1: globe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there there was no... I mean, you have to think about the internet in, in, in general and how we were using it to communicate and... Um, you know for for music folks you know we had magazines right (laughs) that's how we got information that's how we learned about each other for the most part um in terms of internationally um and there were of course some blogs and uh you know some sites that we check on the regular but myspace not only gave us a, a way to learn about folks but just a great platform uh to, to host your music, you know, where, where else were you hosting your music before then? Um, there, there, there was no platform for it. So it definitely, definitely changed the game. Um, and especially for a scene like the quote unquote beat scene or instrumental hip hop producers and so forth. Like, you know, we're, we were all kind of spread out, I think. um, You know, you had a lot of uh, East Coast folks, West Coast folks, and then a lot of folks in Europe and Tokyo and Australia and, and all over and this was a, a great way for us to connect and also in 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 the end a great way to um, hook up tours, um, you know pretty much do do a bit of a circuit actually.
0: Yeah, that was such a good time. It was just like it was just funny. Like I because I, I started doing the Renaissance Soul website in two thousand and one. And for those first few years, it was just, like, just for people here in Detroit, I was just, like, there was maybe, like, one or two hip-hop artists that really even understood what I was doing. But mm-hmm. then when, like, MySpace came around, it was, like, that was the thing that actually, like, helped, get, you know, click, you know, click that thing in people's head that, like, oh, we can use this internet thing to really help out what we're doing, you know, really mm-hmm. help, you know, grow our, you know, music career. And it was, like, it was such a crazy thing. It was, it was such a really cool time.
1: Yeah, you know, everything takes a a little time to get used to. You know, we're not all going to hop on something without actually knowing what it is or what the possibilities are. But I think MySpace uh, quickly showed itself to be quite useful and quite uh, relevant. And so many, so many of the folks who are active today, um, I remember seeing and connecting with back in the day. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure, MySpace was amazing. I don't, and there's nothing really similar to it now. I mean, you have SoundCloud uh, for hosting material, but it's not the same community. Right. It's not the same uh, way that we would connect and communicate and discover. Uh, you know, actually, these days I find SoundCloud to be a little overwhelming. Um, but you know, that also has to do with you know how you're spending your time. You know, how much time can you put toward uh, creating your own stuff versus uh, listening and trying to discover? You know, what else might be going on at the time. So that gets a little bit tricky as well.
0: You're uh, originally from DC, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm from I'm from Prince George's County, Maryland, okay. which is a county literally directly east of Washington, D.C. And the way that it works, let's say, for instance, you know, you have the city of Detroit and then you have the suburbs outside of it. Right. Right. So, you know, you could live 20 minutes outside of Detroit and depending on who you're talking to, you'll either say I'm from Detroit or you'll say I'm from, you know, Dearborn or whatever. Um, So that's pretty much, you know, how it was for me. You know, I lived and grew up like 15 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. I was born in a Washington, D.C. hospital, but uh, my house, my home where I lived was in Maryland. And in and, and the county where I'm from, Prince George's, we're definitely more identified with Washington, D.C. as opposed to, say, uh, Baltimore. Even though Baltimore is, is an hour away, um, culturally, vibe-wise, musically even, um, you know, there, there's a bit of a difference. We're kind of like cousins as opposed to sisters and brothers in a way. Uh, so, you know, if you're from PG, uh, you'll definitely rep Washington, D.C.
0: When you were sort of talking about, you know, like being uh, connected to D.C., you know, what what was it about the culture of D.C. that, you know, sort of, uh, you vibed with, uh, when you were growing up in, in, in that area?
1: Hmm. Well, there are a couple of really cool things about growing up in D.C. that I think had a huge impact on me, Uh, one being the radio stations. Uh, We had a lot of great radio stations. You know, we have more than one option. You know, there's a 93.9, 95.5, 96.3. And, um, you know, BET was based in Washington, D.C. before it moved to New York. So a lot of the hosts that were, you know, on radio were also on TV, like your Donnie Simpson and Tigger and stuff like that. Um, And we also got a Baltimore stations and they would usually play, uh, you know, Baltimore House on Friday night, Saturday night. So you got a lot of that as well. Um, But yeah, I grew up with a lot of R&B, funk and hip hop uh, and some kind of synth new wave you know as well in the 80s of course uh so it was great and you know washington dc is also the home of go-go yeah right. yeah and and even though i didn't attend <laughs> go-go's because you know it was kind of uh, a dodgy scene <laughs> um it's, it's pretty dodgy and you know i was uh I, I was very focused on school you know besides making music because you know i was making music in high school but I was also pretty much a straight-A student, drama club president, National Arts Society secretary.
0: All right. Okay. I,
1: you know, I'm, I'm doing theater. I'm doing fashion shows. I'm writing rhymes. I didn't, I didn't have time to go to the go-go, <laughs> you know, let alone was my mom going to play that. Um, but, you know, there was go-go music on the radio. And the thing that's awesome about go-go music is that it's all live instrumentation. Now, even though some of them might be, you know, remixes of other songs or go-go renditions, um, there's still a lot of original go-go music. But, you know, it's one of the few, I think, remaining, like, quote-unquote urban genres that it's still uh, rooted in live instrumentation. You know, maybe if you go to New Orleans, uh, you know, there's still a a blues connection uh, in that way of. You know, live horns and stuff like that. But you know, go-go music is, is live instruments, a lot of uh, percussion. You know, a lot of you know, kind of Afro-Latin, Congo vibes, and um, you know, there's nothing else. There's nothing else like it. Yeah. So um, you know, all of that played a, a really a great influence in, in in my musical upbringing, for sure.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned about, you know, how studious you were in school. Uh, what were some of the things, you know, as a kid that you did for fun outside of school and drama club and everything you just named?
1: Huh. That's a really good question. Um, I think that was pretty much my life. Um, I didn't play sports. I watched sports, but I was, I was a creative kid. I was very, very fortunate to attend a performing and visual art school since the the age of eight. you know from from third grade up until I graduated from high school, I studied theater, film, music, visual art, dance, creative writing, you know all 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 of these things. so I was always involved in school activities and after school activities and even outside of that I, I used to audition for commercials. And, you know, I had a a few homies that later on were also into production. Uh, You know, I got into producing maybe I think my freshman year of high school. And I was definitely the only female at the time. Um, But I had a a couple of other uh, good friends who were also starting to get into uh, beat making. But that was pretty much that took up all my time. If, if if I'm getting straight A's, you know, I'm doing my work, and and, and the, the rest of it was was left to um, being creative. And and I'm an only child, so um, I was always making or doing something. So yeah, there there was no time for anything else besides maybe going to the mall. <laughs> In the suburbs, you know, it's like you know, suburb culture on the weekends. That's what you do. You you go to the mall. You go to the movies, you go bowling, you go skating and that's pretty much it but um, I just I've always been a creative person and I've always needed to make something and and thankfully there were a couple of disciplines that I was interested in so I could bounce back and forth um, between them so I never really got, got got bored I never really needed to do anything else
0: what was it that got you into to uh, start making beats?
1: Um, well, so I used to catch the school bus from my grandparents' house, and they had a piano. So i say around nine, I started just playing around on the keys and kind of learning the notes by ear. And I took piano lessons for a short time because of that, but I didn't like my teacher, so that didn't last very long. Um, But that's really where it started, just uh, playing around on the piano. And then I started kind of making up my own little songs. And uh, I probably started writing a bit of poetry, you know, little things you write when you're young. And then that turned into, oh, well, I can write lyrics like to a song. And I used to collect vinyl, you know, and back then a lot of the 12 inches had instrumentals. So I would sing or rhyme over those instrumentals. And then I think, was it my, I can't remember which birthday it was, somewhere between probably my 14th birthday, I remember seeing a keyboard that had five multi-tracks in it. So I couldn't record audio from the outside, but I could at least record, I could layer sounds. And that was something I could never do before. So that's really when I started playing around with making my own beats. Um, there were drum sounds in there, there were bass, there were keys. And that was really the, the the first time that I realized that I really enjoyed composing. And then from there, I just slowly started asking for more gear. And the funny thing is, uh, someone asked me, how did you know what to get? Or how did you even know what what to look for? And, and I, I think I just looked at magazines and you know, somehow I would learn about different hip-hop producers and and, and, and drum machines and samplers and things like that. Um, yeah, because after that keyboard, um, I got a sampler. I got like a, a Roland MS-1, I believe, which isn't even 16-bit. I think it's a 12-bit sampler. Um, I got a drum machine, so like a Roland TR-303. And I had a four-track cassette, like a Fostex recorder, multi-track recorder, so that I could also record vocals. So, I mean, this somehow turned from a little hobby to a big hobby, because even though um, in high school I majored in theater, all of my like extracurricular activities outside of that was it became music. Like, that's all I wanted to do was make music. Write music, and you know, folks also began to know me as an MC at that time, and and that's really um, why production became a big deal as well. Because I said, you know, I don't want to rhyme over these beats, these 12 inches, these instrumentals everyone knows already. Let me let me see if I can do it myself, and it it just snowballed from there. It's 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 kind of crazy, but yeah, I, I think I just became obsessed.
0: Do you uh, do you still have your original demos? Do you listen to them if you still have them?
1: I do have some. I know that I have... Um, I know I bounced some cassettes uh, onto CD. Uh, so I definitely have some old things. And I know there's also an old cassette bouncing around here somewhere. I, I definitely have some old stuff hanging around for sure. Um, that, you know... I'll cherish forever because those are artifacts archives for sure <laughs> who were um
0: who were who are some of the music artists producers that you were kind of looking up at that looking up to at that time when you were first starting to to make beats
1: hmm. yeah was, you know this is all new Jack swing era, yeah and, <laughs> you know it's all new Jack and also like pre new jack and 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 when I say pre new Jack i mean like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, right. um, because to me that that parlayed into, you know, that Teddy Riley vibe. Um, and then, you know, then I got into Timbaland, you know, especially being from Maryland. You know, that whole Maryland, Virginia sound was 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 serious. I mean, even Teddy, who's originally from New York, he even moved down to Virginia and inspired, you know, Pharrell and the Neptunes. You know, they were under him. Um, so there was definitely a certain sound, you know, a certain, uh, vibe, you know, kind of mixed, mixed Maryland, Virginia, and a bit of New York that, um, and of course, you know, Jimmy Jam, Terry from Minneapolis, you know, this is a certain kind of R&B that was also kind of synthy and also kind of dancey, um, that caught my attention. Um, in the beginning and I think you know also back then in terms of even knowing who the producers were you know we listened to a lot of music we didn't necessarily know who the people were behind the music you know until they themselves almost became artists in themselves yeah, right you know so so you know I, I knew oh Jimmy Jam oh they produced all of this oh that's crazy oh Teddy Riley oh he produced this oh no wonder I'm digging it. oh okay okay um, so it, you start to understand how it's all connected, but they were definitely the the first producers that I found myself to uh, study or keep up with in terms of um, recognizing their sound when I heard it.
0: Yeah, now that you mention all of those producers, when I think about think, think about all the music that you've done. I do, you know, see, you know, sort of that influence with, um, sort of like the synth work that you do in a lot of your music.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bass girl, you know, and there's a certain funkiness and those, um, that kind of R&B and New Jack from the late '80s, early '90s. There are these, these bass lines underneath that are just they're just mad and, and, you know, you know, a lot of them grew up with the funk, you know, so we're all kind of used to that kind of 70s bottom end as well. So, yeah, that's definitely played a huge part um, in my music for sure. Regardless of tempo, um, you will always definitely hear uh, underlying bass lines and stuff like that for sure.
0: You uh right now you're about to um, release a new album Felt Armor. Um definitely a great album. It's <laughs> what I was thinking about. It, I'm like this is like really good good uh music to put on and like read stuff to. I don't know, like <laughs> I, sometimes I need stuff that doesn't have any words in it, but yeah. I still want to listen to music. Like this is like some cool shit for that. <laughs> 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 but um when you know, when thinking about thinking about you know what you did on this new album, how do you uh, feel like you've progressed in your life in regards to making music since those early demos?
1: Hmm. Well, I think the thing with me is that let's say it's it's been how long? It's been I don't even know. It's fifteen years, twenty years. It's been quite some time since I just even first started, you know, learning how to program drums and even my whole process for creating. And my influences have always been pretty diverse. Now, of course, over time, you hear different types of music and, you know, also came up in the trip hop era. So that definitely caught my attention as well. And I listened to a lot of uh, European producers. And the awesome thing I appreciated about that is that the genres weren't so clear cut. Um, It was kind of a a mixture of, of, of different vibes and it would still be accepted in a way. And I think when I first started, you know, just being an R&B and a hip hop girl, you know, those were um, that that was my influence. That's what a lot of my stuff sounded like. But to tell you honestly, even back then, I think um, I showed a lot of signs of of, of making music that that were kind of outside the R&B and hip hop uh, realm. And I think as as I went on, because, hey, Felt Armor is going to be my my 12th project, you know, that includes EPs and full lengths, and um, it's always been a a thing with trying to describe or define what kind of music I make, you know. And that's always been interesting when people have been reviewing albums, because even within an album, there are different genres. There's a certain mood that'll be, uh, you know, that'll be throughout the album. And you'll definitely know this is a PG album. But in terms of, of, of genres, I've always been, I won't necessarily be, I won't necessarily say all over the place, but I've definitely been fluid because to me, it's more about mood. And there are different types of music that, that fit different types of moods and times and events and spaces and emotions. And I've, I've always wanted to create freely in that moment, whether it was something slow and moody and dark or whether it was something that was up-tempo and more more dance-y. Um And that being said, um, I was either always seen as outside of genres or even uh, ahead of my time in a way, um, which also sometimes can break into we don't quite get it. <laughs> right, <okay>. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I found that I got that a lot. And I I won't necessarily say that um, timing is, is, is amazing because now I feel like, this space is open enough for me to create whatever I want and not so much feel like I'm out of place. Not like I really cared about that before, but I think people may, I think they're just kind of ready to um, just kind of be open to something that might be open in terms of, 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 of genre. So I think felt armor is just a really good combination of, of, of all those vibes and all those things, you know, though, you can just as easily hear something that's dark and cinematic and moody on the album, as well as something that's a bit more uptempo, dancing and, you know, tracks that are a bit, uh, funkier. And then some that are, we could even be considered kind of like an indie crossover. And I don't, I don't think about these things when I'm creating, it just kind of, um, happens you know, with that, but anytime I release a project, I don't want it to sound like the last one. And that could come into play with my technique, you know, how I, how, how I approach it in terms of the process or the tools I'm using to make the album. Um, you know, there are a couple of different things that can come into play. So I just feel like this the album is definitely showcases where I am now, sonically which still doesn't necessarily fit into anything, but I think that it's just timing-wise, people might be more receptive.
0: When going into any sort of project, you know, what's your mindset going into uh, when you first started working on it? Do you need any sort of space from your previous project?
1: Um, well, like I said, I try not to repeat myself uh, like I don't, I never wanted to sound like the last thing. There might be elements, of course. Like I, like I say, there, there, things that I think connect everything that I do. But as say, if if I do an album that's a bit, uh, that's more up tempo, and very kind of quantized vibe, then I'm gonna make sure that the next album is um, not like that at all. Uh, and and. It might be more moody and it might be um, a bit more intricate and not so quantized and you know i'll kind of bounce back and forth between if i'm making the foundation beat on my sampler which has a different vibe to it versus whether i'm doing it uh sequencing on the laptop which will definitely be more quantized and uh have a certain quality to it um but yeah, I usually I, I usually base it on mood, and and I'll go from there.
0: Where do these moods that you speak of come from?
1: That's a really good question. I mean, it could come from something as as simple as the weather. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, living in Canada. You know, we definitely have winter, um, and winter, you know, can be uh, a bit of a, a, a bit of a drag, you know, usually, because, you know, you don't want to go out as much. And in a way, it's great, because it forces, forces me to spend more time inside and actually create. Um, but there's definitely a certain sound that comes out in the winter versus if I were to put an album out in the summertime. Um, you know, but I, um, I really don't know, things just kind of come to me and I can honestly say that that happens a lot of the time where I'll just kind of put it out to the universe, say, okay, um, I'm starting to feel kind of creative and uh, get back into the zone and something will just come to me in, in, in terms of what I want to go for, for, for that project. So I don't know. I, I think a lot of it, I kind of just leave it up to the universe. It just kind of comes to me, and I just hope that it 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 all coincides, you know, because even with this last album, you know i it's been three year hiatus, it's been three years since I've put out anything and before then, every project was really back to back and um you know that can be a bit much after a while and you need time to be inspired and you need time to live and um I don't like to force anything that's that's just not how I operate so. Um, when I felt that I was uh, feeling inspired and, um, there were some interesting opportunities coming up, um, I, I I knew that it was, it was time to get back, back into the grind. And I literally set a certain amount of time aside just to dig in and go hardcore and get the album done by a certain date. And it, it just, it just worked. It just just happened. It just all came together, thankfully, which, you know, after a three-year hiatus can can be a little tricky, you know, as an artist. But um, thankfully, uh, Mama still got it, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good.
0: How did it feel after coming back from this three-year hiatus to start making music again, when you said, like, previously, you were always kind of doing things back-to-back?
1: Yeah. Um, well... I think it was necessary Um, because that's the thing. Everything around us is changing so quickly. Anything involving technology and and music is right there with it. How we share music, how we make music has changed so much from from the 2000s, from even three years ago. And I, I think I just really needed to not feel the pressure of always having to put something out. Not that I felt pressure before, but I think in these days, you know, if you feel like people have short attention spans, there's this, uh, kind of need or pressure or want to always put out fresh material. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't don't think I can be my true authentic self if I'm constantly trying to, uh put stuff out, not necessarily because it's good or because I like it, but because there's this pressure to just keep your name out there. Uh, And I don't know, sometimes it's good just to kind of step back and refresh and make sure that you don't hate that thing that you love. You know, music has been such a passion for me for so long. I never want to get to the point where I feel like I hate music or I dread uh, or feel pressure to do it, it has to be an experience. It has to be maybe an escape, uh, you know. It has to be something that is is fulfilling to me. So um, that time off was necessary. I was still very creative during that time. I focused on my visual art and graphic design and product design, and that opened up a whole new world to me and. Was just as fulfilling as as creating music, and when I felt like I got that to a really good place, and felt like I, I had a style and a, a look, and I had really kind of developed what I wanted to in those three years, then then I knew it was it was time to get back to music. That so I was ready, and I was feeling inspired and rejuvenated and fresh. Um, and and that's the best way to go into it, I think.
0: Was there anything that you were able to do musically on Feld Armour that you felt like you were able to do better because you had that time away?
1: Um, maybe just focus. I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't feel like I had to prove anything to anyone. I didn't feel like there was a certain genre that I had to attempt to make. And I, I really felt... That I could be free to create as as I wanted to, and and I've I've always felt this way for the most part, but it's just something about about taking the time off and um, just coming back when I was ready, and, and and not feeling anxious about it. But you know, it's, it's it's kind of that feeling when you know you let your hair grow for a long time, and and you're like you know one day. You start thinking, you know, one day I'm going to cut my hair. Just when you start getting the thought in your, in your head, like, yeah, it's going to happen. I'm starting to feel it. And then <laughs> you, know, you just wake up one day and it's like, yeah, today is the day. It's coming up. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's funny that I use that as, as an analogy um, because I honestly think that that's kind of what happened to me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I had long locks and i was thinking about hmm i think it's time to cut my hair hmm yeah maybe and and literally as soon as i decided to do it i felt like uh, a whole new woman and it was it was and literally started thinking about creating the album right after i cut my hair it's crazy it's it's really crazy but that really um Got me uh, inspired and, and and rejuvenated. So I don't know. You know, there's there's something about you know if you're on your ninth film, tenth film, is you you learn from everything that you do uh, before it, and and that definitely all comes into play. And I didn't necessarily use any new techniques necessarily. You know, these are all some things that I've tried before, but I think I was just a bit more aware of, of what I could do, what my potential was, and like, what are the different types of sounds or different types of things that I could um, incorporate, you know, because of course, I love synths, you know, I, I love chords, I love bass lines, and I really like interesting drum programming. Um, but definitely for this album, I incorporated a lot of found sound and sound effects and certain sounds that wouldn't typically be used uh, for percussion. You know, I like to mix a lot of that in, in, into the work. Um, like I, I, I always feel like I need to in, bring in new types of sound into my work because eventually things start to sound the same. And I, I don't like that at all. You know, I have—I definitely have. I have no problem with, with having you know a bit of a signature or certain things where you could say, "Yeah, that definitely sounds like a pursuit group's track." But I need to make sure that I feel inspired and creative and and, and feel like I'm pushing myself and trying new things, and I'm not boring myself. So um, I'm, I'm always thinking about uh, different approaches in a way uh, that'll be interesting for me. Um, but also doesn't include making huge gear changes as well. i'm not I'm not really big into that either. Um, you know I'm a bit of a creature of habit when it comes to tools and gear <laughs> and just really maximizing that to to uh, the best way you can. Um, but for this album, I definitely took time to build a new sound library. and and, and I, I usually do that with new albums, and that's also part of making sure that it sounds a bit different than the last one. And I took a good month and just focused on building sound library of different sounds to incorporate into percussion before I even attempted to get into composition.
0: You mentioned uh, before that, you know, during that three-year hiatus, you, you know, you're still doing creative stuff, doing a lot of yeah. design work, you know, what, um what were some of the things that you were doing and what did you get out of those experiences?
1: Well, uh, basically, I started uh, doing a lot of uh, photography. Um, it started off, I actually took a little trip to Jamaica, and I just started photographing everything, and somehow that turned into some other monster beast <laughs> of uh, me developing a style of, of graphic design that could be applied to A number of 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 products, you know, pretty much turned into me uh, designing uh, clothing and home decor and thermoses and shower curtains and pillows and almost any and everything you can um, imagine, which which to me is amazing. There's nothing more awesome than taking an idea. And actually bring it into fruition, you know, actually seeing it as a thing and seeing it uh, in a tangible way. And it's it's amazing to me because literally over three years, I was able to develop a style that incorporated illustration, photography, and and graphic design um, to make something that I really enjoy. You know, probably just as much as I do music, even though I haven't been doing it as long. But it's another medium that gives me um, just as many uh, possibilities, and and if not more. You know, I always say, you know, there are only so many keys, there are only so many notes. You know, your A B C D E F G. You know, your flats, your sharps. Like that's that's all. And and really, in theory, it's not a lot. And with me, with creating visual art. Um the the options are just so much greater in terms of color and shape and and what you're able to put together to create in all the different ways. Um, you know, I use collage. I photograph things, I'll cut them up, and I'll take a, a number of different pictures that I've taken and cut them up and make a collage, and that turns into something else and incorporate it with something that i I drew. And then illustration with that together and, you know, it just turns into another beast. So uh, a lot of the, in a way, uh, some of the methods that I use with creating music are some of the same things that I use to create visuals and they work really well together. You know, if I do, I've designed a lot of my album covers. I design most of my flyers. If I have visuals, video art or anything like that for my, for my shows, I've, I've, created that as well you know i do have a degree in film so the video medium is is really um awesome to me as well so i mean i'm just really thankful because as as a creative person as an artist if if you feel like you don't have an outlet to express yourself it can be uh you know a bit worrisome and thankfully when when i needed a, a break from music uh the visual art Literally threw itself in front of me and and filled me in in so many ways that actually really got me ready for for getting back in the music zone. So I'm I'm thankful for that.
0: Yeah, as we close out this uh, this conversation, um, I did send you a question ahead of time that I wanted you, wanted you to think about. Something that I always ask of uh, people now, uh, mm-hmm. and the question is: Who is someone that's been a part of your life career? that I could also realistically interview because they have some great stories to tell.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I thought about this and I, it was very hard for me to think of anyone specifically that had a big, um, impact in my career, but just thinking of it now, let me just throw a little something at you. Um, There's a producer by the name of Rashad Ringo Smith. And I'm not too sure if he's worked on anything within the last couple years, but when I lived in New York, when I lived in Brooklyn, and, you know, I was still kind of getting my name out as a producer. Still very low-key, though. Nothing, I don't even think... Yeah, the first uh, project on Tectonic hadn't even come out yet. I used to manage a clothing store in Brooklyn. And at that time, so early 2000s, you know, a lot of amazing musicians used to live in the area. You know, I used to see Erica Badu, I used to see J Electronica, you know, Mos Def, Taleb, like, you know, all of them were in Brooklyn at the time. And Erica's DJ, Erica Badu's DJ, came into the store one day and we got to chat and and we exchanged music. You know, I was mentioning him, hey, I'm a producer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I make beats too, you know. But when I got home and I listened to that CD, I realized that he was more than Erica Badu's DJ. And he was actually one of the one of the most known producers that I probably grew up listening to. He was one of the producers for Puffy's Hitman. You know, Puffy had a crew of producers back in the day. Right. um, Called the Hitman, and he was one of them. He had produced tracks for Biggie, Busta, a lot of folks. He came to the store maybe a week later, and he was like, I really like your stuff. This is dope. And honestly, I'd have to say, um, coming from him and his resume and him saying that to me, even though I'd been, you know, at that point making beats since I was 14 or whatever, but that was the catapult that led me to putting my music on MySpace. And that changed everything. So, you know, whether he knows it or not, you know, uh, Rashad, Ringo, Roland, Dice, Smith. Yes, all these other production names. <laughs> um, you know, he he was actually the, the the catalyst for me even sharing my music on that level. So um, that, you know, that that might be the most in terms of like producer or the person in the music industry who's a, who I'm sure has had an interesting career himself. Right, um, that I can really, really, really think of that kind of changed the, the the game for me, just with a a few words and 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 honestly, you know, that also gets me thinking, you know, about how we communicate with each other and how we support each other and how we build community and 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 how all of these things are important because you just never know what words you could say to somebody or how you can influence someone um or or what what building a community can do to influence a creative person to to share their talents with the world
0: right sometimes you know one little comment like like you said that he said to you could change everything
1: for sure for sure and and there there have been a number of of movements like that in in my life that have kind of led to the next thing led to the next thing led to the next thing um and the fact that I'm even still here creating you know 12th project you know dropping March 6 and that I still have the same same love for creating it's it's a big deal especially as as, as a woman you know it's like I make instrumental music so it's May not be a, a a big deal because you know everyone may not know who or what Pursuit Grooves is. You know, is it one person, is a group, or what it is. But you know, for me to to be a a female producer, you know, back in the day, being one of a few, and and now there's so many more, which is amazing, which is great, and you know, a lot of us are communicating with each other and supporting each other, and it's 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 great to see that. So I definitely feel like the message is bigger than me. It's it's not even just about me as an artist, it's about me representing, you know, what it can look like if you actually stick with something. You know, even if you're, you know, you're the minority. But if if you love something, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day.
0: That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. <laughs> well, it's been great talking with you. Uh, yeah. Um, if anybody wants to check out your music, find more information about you online, where can they go?
1: Well, you know all those digital retailers have <laughs> most of things. You know, if you want to stream Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, et cetera. But uh, personally, of course, I'm on Bandcamp, Pursuit Grooves Bandcamp. I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm probably on Instagram the most. I love to post pictures. Um, You can find me on all those things. I'm I'm definitely active.
0: Great. Well, it's been great talking with you.
1: You too. Keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. So that was my interview with Pursuit Grooves. Her new album, Felt Armor, is out now. It's really good. You can stream it in the show notes for this episode. And there's links on there where you can follow Pursuit Grooves if you didn't catch where she was uh, available in the interview. Now, it's this week's Fresh is the Word, Fresh Pick of the Week. And this week's pick is the album Aguardiente from the New Jersey native Crime Apple. Yo, this album, it's produced entirely by Big Ghost Limited. Yo, yo, this is, like, the grimy hip-hop that that I love, you know? You know, I'm not talking, you know, crap about anything else, but this is the stuff, like, in the same vein as West Side Gun, Conway, Rock Marciano. It's that, like, grimy hip-hop that, you know, people that like that type of stuff, you know, you really love this album. They craft one of the most grimy, sounding but also lyrically tough albums to come out recently. Uh, you know, we also have had great stuff from uh, Rocky Marciano recently, West Side Gun, Conway. And this ranks up there with it, man. It is so good. I've had to I've had this album on repeat for the past week or so, whenever it came out. Like the best way I can describe it, it's like in the same way we all appreciated albums like Mob Deeps the Infamous or great only built for cuban links like there's nothing glamorized about the stuff that he's rapping about in this It's just the realness man it just 100% grime you know it's just there's nothing it's just grimy so that's what I that's what I like about it you know there's no fake in the funk on this it's just hard It's just hard man it just but it a lot of lyricism on it too man so i'm definitely yo i'm yo i'm definitely interested in where this dude crime apple goes from here man because he's definitely going to be you know definitely one to to keep your eye on you know because this stuff is this type of stuff i'm not saying it's coming back because it never left but it's going to be it's going to be something that people are going to eat up people are going to continue to eat up west side gun stuff people are going to continue to eat up conway rock marciano there's a slew of others man we're you know there's that stuff has never left but and it's going to continue to thrive and become some it's going to become its own thing for those people that don't like the way rap music has gone that's being portrayed on you know the radio and tv and what's getting hyped up in the media and whatnot so if you ever need that alternative to all that you know the mumble rap stuff and everything Yo, check out the Crime Apple album, man. A Guardiente, produced entirely by Big Ghost Limited. You can uh, you can catch it. You can download it uh, free through uh, Big Ghost uh, Limited's SoundCloud. But you can also support with your dollars on iTunes. So that has been the Fresh is the word. Fresh pick of the week. All right, that's it for this week's Fresh is the word. Once again, thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.